This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Okay, if you missed last Sunday, we started a brand new series called Timothy. There are two books in the Bible written by, well, he describes himself as a father in the faith. His name is the Apostle Paul, and he's got a young man. In fact, the Bible thinks, scholars think that he was around his 30s when he received these letters. He's a young leader. He's a young leader in the faith, young leader in the church. And Paul the Apostle writes two letters to him that have so much truth and so much importance within these two books. We're not just going to study 1 Timothy. Even the next two Sundays, we're going to study 2 Timothy. We took, uh, last Sunday, we took four truths from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. And today I want to take four more truths from chapters 4 through 6. Now, really what Paul is doing, Paul is older. He's, he doesn't have a lot of more time here on earth. He's, he's writing these last words, these precious words to the young man that he wants to see go further than he could go himself. I don't know about you, but I want Zoe kids to do 10 times better than we do. I want the kids in our church, our sons and our daughters to, we've been saying this, but we want our ceiling to be their floor. We, we're, we're proud to let them stand on our shoulders. They're going to go further than we ever dreamt. They're going to do greater than we ever imagined. Somebody say amen. Yeah, we're excited about it. So, so Paul has that spirit. Paul has that belief. I want to teach, I want to admonish, I want to put into you these truths, because Timothy, I believe in you. You know, remember, always find people in your life that believe in you. Always, everybody needs an, an older couple. Everybody needs some, some fathers and some mothers that will champion them and believe in them. It's great to have friends. It's great to have people under your leadership. But everybody needs some, some moms and some dads, even in the faith. This father in the faith is writing to young Timothy and he's shaping his identity. He is determining his behavior. He is telling him things about himself that maybe he doesn't even know about himself. Let's watch here together 1 Timothy chapter 4 and watch what he says here. I'm reading from the message translation. He says, you've been raised on the message of faith. I like that. Zoe, just remind you, we're only four years old, but in four years, you've been raised on the message of faith. This last week, I was traveling. I was in Malaysia, and in Malaysia, every morning, uh, Tommy Two Guns, who leads our uh, Zoe Kids, was with me. Every morning, we wake up early because of jet lag, and we go down to the buffet, and we get down to the buffet, and they have massive amount of cereal. And I say, Julia doesn't let me buy cereal, so I'm just going to have three bowls. Why have one when you can have three in Jesus' name? I've been, I was raised on cereal. Anybody else? I was raised on bags of cereal, not boxes of cereal. Who am I preaching to right now? He says, you've been raised on the message of faith. And have followed sound teaching. Now pass on these counsel to the followers of Jesus there. And you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. All that religiosity. Exercise daily in God. 
No spiritual flabbiness. Just the word flabbiness is offensive to me. I read flabbiness, I'm like, oh gosh, oh wow. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. So what is, what is he saying? He's saying it's good to be fit, it's good to work out, but what will benefit your life is more than abs. What will benefit your life is a devoted life to God. Physical training is of some value, but spiritual training is of great value. Having a, a fit body won't save your life, but being disciplined before God will save your life. You, cannot, you can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God. Come on, anybody banking on the living God? We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. I want to preach a message today, write down the title. It's called, Tell Me Who I Am. Tell me who I am. And I believe that God has little Zoe, little four-year-old Zoe, just this brand new baby church Zoe, in First and Second Timothy, studying for four weeks, studying some scriptures every day, because God wants to tell us who we are. Remember, only the one that cre created you can shape your identity. Only the one that made you and fashioned you. Remember, the Bible says, before I was born, you knew me. When I was in my mother's womb, you knit me together. In fact, you weren't just made. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. We walked the streets of Malaysia uh, one of the afternoons. We had some free time. And we went down one of the streets. I said, take me to where all the knockoffs are. And so we went down. I've never seen more Gucci and Louis Vuitton and Yeezys. And little Tommy was salivating. He's like, oh, my gosh. Look at all the Yeezys for $5. I said, yeah, you have them for five wares. And we, 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 we are here. We are here to get the real stuff. We are here to receive from a real God. We don't want the knockoff stuff. We want the real stuff. We've been raised on the message of faith. Tell me who I am. I have to receive who I am by my maker who made me and knit me together himself. I want to encourage you today. I don't know how you feel about your self-worth, but you're a designer's original. We've never had another you and we'll never have another you. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not some cheap knockoff or carbon copy of something else that looks great. You are you by the grace of God. Come on, clap together if you're thankful that God designed you. God created you. Turn to somebody and say, I'm expensive. I'm kidding. Don't say that. It's weird. It's weird. Don't do that. It's socially, it's very unacceptable. Okay, come on. <laughs> I'm expensive. Wait, what? <laughs> come on, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you today that you are awesome. You are amazing. You are good. You are kind and you are loving. We are asking on a day like today, open up our eyes so we can see you. Open up our ears so we can hear you. Do the unique God thing that can happen when your word goes forward. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We are receiving your words. We are receiving your instruction. We thank you that as we study these books, Lord, let Zoe and our lives grow to the place that you've promised 
Christ, we thank you for it. And God, we thank you that as we enter into the baseball playoffs this next week, the Dodgers will win the World Series. We thank you that as we had Lakers Media Day, it is a sign of a championship to come. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, come on, let's clap and thank God together. Those are the only two teams we need to bless. In El Nombre de Jesus. Um, I don't know if you had uh, great parents growing up. I don't know if you love your mom and dad, but I grew up with a, my mom is a, a Mexican. And my mom, she, she came to the United States when, when she was young, when she was, when she was just like middle school, high school age. And, and, and so my mom, she, she has this ability to speak Spanglish. Anybody ever meet somebody that speaks Spanglish? So my mom can speak English like fluently and Spanish fluently. And sometimes growing up, she would vacillate according to her own desire. So if she felt like speak, speaking English, she'd just go for it. But if she was angry at you, she'd go Spanish on you. She'd go hood real fast. But my mom growing up, my mom wrote me a note every single day when I went to school. Every day, my mom, in my brown paper sack, anybody, your parents packed your lunch. All the rest of y'all spoiled kids. You don't know what I'm talking about. But my mom packed me a lunch, and in my lunch was a note from my mother every single day. The note always started with the same greeting. Mijo. Mijo. And she would write how awesome I am. You're the greatest kid in the whole world. There's no one like you, Chatty Cakes. That's her nickname, not yours. <laughs> she would write and she'd put all these nice words. She would write a scripture. She would write, you know, X-O-X-O-X-O-X-O. She would sign mom. I mean, my mom, she showered me. I, to this day, my dad has never complimented me, but my mother would always shower me. I got to make up for your dad. But my mom, she would just shower me. You're the best. You're the greatest. I grew up believing that people like me because my mom told me people like you. I grew up thinking people wanted to hear what I had to say because my mom always told me everyone wants to hear what you have to say. My mom always told me whenever you walk into a room, every room gets so much better. So whenever I walked into a room, I thought this room is so much better. Like I just grew up believing in myself because my mom mom believed in me. The other day, I, I was getting after my three-year-old, my son, my, my Maverick. Actually, he's four now. It was his birthday yesterday. And so my Maverick, I was getting after him the other day about his behavior. And I'm kind of getting after him. I'm, you know, letting him know we don't, we don't act like that. And, you know, I'm getting after him as a dad. And in the middle of getting after him, he stops and he goes, but dad, I'm awesome. He said, but dad, I'm awesome. You told me. It, 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 honestly, this kid once a week makes me laugh, like chuckle laugh. And I just started chuckling. I thought, even as I'm getting after him, he has still heard that he's awesome more than his discipline. Even as I'm getting after him, he's still going, but dad, you told me that I'm awesome. Am I not awesome? <laughs> I want to talk today because the Bible's trying to tell us who we are. You got to receive identity from a source that is credible. You can't receive your identity from social media, you cannot receive your identity from a hater or a blog. 
You can't receive your identity from just your boss at work. you got to receive your identity from a God that made you. Come on, clap if you agree. God's got something bigger and better to say over your life. The first thing that he says here in chapter 4, he says, number one, Paul, Paul says to Timothy, you're the example. You're the example, young one. You're the example. In fact, watch what he says here. I had you turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12. Watch what he says. He says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in what? In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He's saying, Timothy, just because you are young does not mean that you have to wait. He says, you set the bar, you set the standard, you be the example right now in everything that you do. I want to encourage you, Zoe, even though we're only four years old, we're going to be the example of generosity. We're going to be the example of faith. We're going to be the example of kindness. We're going to be the example of serving our city. Come on, clap together if you're down to raise the standard and be the example. See, some of us think you've got to wait to get ready and wait to be right. No, 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 no. You need to be the example today. You are the example. You need to be the example right here and right now. It's amazing. We had a pastor visit recently, and this pastor came to church, and uh, it was an honor to have him. And he's been pastoring a long time. And I said afterwards, I said, hey, thank you so much for coming. It meant the world to have you at Zoe Church. And he said, you know what, I got back to my church and I quizzed our staff and I quizzed them and I tested our church out versus your church. And what I saw and experienced at Zoe, I was testing to see, is this stuff in my church? Now they've been going for decades, but he was looking at young Zoe and saying, you're the standard. You're the standard of faith. You're the standard of atmosphere. You're the standard of anointing. You might only be four, but we're looking at you. Come on, Zoe. Let no one despise your your youth. Age ain't nothing but a thing or a number. The reality is, is that you're the example. You got to step up your life. He is saying to this young Timothy, Timothy, there's going to be some people that look at you and go, you're young. You're a kid. You're not old. You're not, you're, you're not accomplished. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Don't let, look at my age. Look at my example. I am the standard in this world. It was amazing. This last week on social media, I stumbled upon an article, and this article was from CNN, and they tested um, all the airlines to see which airline has the cleanest water, which means serves the best coffee. Coffee, the taste of coffee, is a direct correlation to the quality of the water. And so they tested all the airlines. And my old airline, when I lived in Seattle, I flew out of Alaska Airlines. They got the best. It was a ranking out of three, and Alaska Airlines got the number one ranking. My new airlines, American, since I moved to Los Angeles, I moved to American. American Airlines got a one out of three and is ranked seventh. I said it to myself right there. I made a, a declaration. I will never drink that coffee on that plane again. But they are clearly marking American is not the standard. Alaska is the standard. I wonder in your world, are you the standard at your workplace? 
And when people look at you, they go, you're the example of forgiveness. You're the example of kindness. You're the example of generosity. I, I looked for an example of what does a Christian look like in Los Angeles, and you were my example. The way that you lived your life, the way that you love people, the way that you reached the lost, the way that you loved others, you were my example. You know, people are looking for an example in this world. People in culture are looking for somebody that they could follow, and he's telling this guy, be the example, man. In what areas of our life? Let me just show you. Put up on the screen. These are the examples. He said, in words, which is ways of speaking to be avoided. Don't be a liar. Don't be angry. Don't speak with bitterness. Don't speak with slander or abusive speech or filthy talk. You ever be around somebody and they talk in nasty? And it makes you feel nasty? Oh, you just got so spiritual on me, didn't you? No, he said, don't have filthy, set the the standard of speech with your words. Or how about conduct, which is your lifestyle, the way you live. Uh, What about love? Let everything you you do be done in love. Or spirit, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, which determines the spirit of who we are. We're the standard of spirit. You ever interact with somebody that has a beautiful spirit, has a right spirit, has a contagious spirit? He's saying, Timothy, you should have that right spirit. You should have that contagious spirit. You should have that amazing, attractive spirit about you. He says, of faith, your trust, and your confidence in God. Or purity which is a moral sense, not limited to sins of the flesh, but covering purity and motives as well in acts, self-control. He's saying you should be the standard of purity. Not just purity sexually, but purity of heart, purity of motives, purity of moral living. He's saying, young Timothy, you be the example. You be the standard. I like looking in in culture at the standard of something. Like we look at the standard of hospitality, like a nice hotel, like the Ritz-Carlton, or the standard of customer service, like Nordstrom, or the standard of shipping overnight, like FedEx, or the standard of global domination, Amazon. He's saying, be the standard in living. Don't be the standard just in faith. Anybody could have faith. No, be the standard in your lifestyle. Come on, Zoe. God is saying to us in this city, we ought to not just look at the standard. We ought to be the standard. We're not going to wait till we're 10 years old. Come on, even at four years old. Come on, clap if you agree with it today. We're going to be the example. First thing he talks about is he says, young Timothy, I want you to be the example. You set the standard. Here's the second thing that he talks about. Put it up on the screen. I love this thought. He said, not only be the example, but number two, put it up on the screen if you wouldn't mind. The second point, I would love it if the screen goes up. You're all in. There's no growth without commitment. You're all in. There's no growth without commitment. You're an all-in person. Watch what he says. Here's the verse that goes with it. Watch what he says. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Meditate on these things. Meditate. Now, I want to remind us as a church, I know we're in L.A., but meditation is not hot yoga's idea. Meditation is God's idea. Your instructor did not come up with meditation. God from the Old Testament has been prescribing meditation. In fact, God wants us to meditate on his word both day and night. He's called us to be meditators. So we're to meditate and think and ponder on God. He said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. 
In other words, what he's saying, if you do this, your progress will be evident to all. People at your workplace will go, whoa, 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 you, you're not the same person. People in your family will be like, oh, my God, you've, you've changed. You've grown. I used to see a punk. I used to see a jerk. I used to see an attitude. I used to see rebellion. I used to see you, you were duplistic. I don't know what changed in you. Your spirit is different. Your speech is different. Your character is different. Your example is different. You've changed. I want to tell you, there is no growth without commitment. Everybody wants growth. Nobody wants commitment. Everybody wants a savings account. Nobody wants committed to a budget. Everybody wants to lose weight. Nobody wants to commit to the diet. There is no growth without commitment. He is saying meditate on these things. Commit to the things of God and all of a sudden you're going to grow like a weed. I'm telling you in God, you can commit your life and in one month your whole world could get changed. I'm telling you, you commit to the things of God and you'll grow like a weed. You'll grow like crazy. Come on, growth is possible, but you got to commit all that you are. I remember when I was 19 years old and I was getting committed to the things of God. And my friend uh, in Bible college, his dad had made up a reading plan of what to read every single day. And so he invited me to go to a Starbucks. He said, every morning we should go to this Starbucks and read our Bible at 6.30 in the morning. Now, I had never gotten up at this hour in my life. And so this sounded crazy to me. He said, come on, we'll just get up. I'll drive us. We'll go to Starbucks and we'll read our Bible at 6.30 in the morning. I thought, this is the craziest idea I've ever heard in my life. But I'll try it one time. I need to get right with God. So I got up. We got into his Volvo station wagon, ball out. And we got into his Volvo station wagon. We drove up to Starbucks. And I ordered, I'm embarrassed. This is before the gluten-free era, okay? And so I thought this was healthy at the time. I ordered a grande vanilla latte and a scone. And for the next six years, I would wake up almost every day at 6.30 in the morning. I would drive to Starbucks. I would drink a vanilla latte. I'd have an orange scone, and I would read my Bible. I would read my Bible. I would read my Bible. I'd read my Bible. Just read my Bible every morning, 6.30 in the morning, wherever I would. Get to Starbucks, get a grande vanilla latte. God, thank God I've been delivered from that season. It just sounds so disgusting. Like if somebody here was like, I bought you a grande vanilla latte, I'd be like, keep it in Jesus' name. <laughs> but I just started, look, look, I just started every day. Now, I'll tell you that who I am today was shaped by that commitment I made in that season. Because the growth I experienced in that time would never have happened without the commitment. There is no growth without commitment. So many of us, you want to grow. You want to grow past your dysfunction or grow past the stuff that you faced in your life. You want to grow. There is no growth without commitment. And he's saying, listen, Timothy, I want you to grow, but you've got to meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them. You give yourself entirely to working out, I'm telling you, you're going to change your body. You give yourself entirely to go seeing a counselor, it's going to change your mindset. You give yourself entirely. And so many of us, we're like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm isolated. Oh, commit to connect groups. I feel disconnected from Zoe. All right, start serving at Zoe. You cannot, there's no growth without commitment. 
You show me any relationship that doesn't have commitment, there's no growth. you got to be committed to working it out, committed to going to the next level, committed to being, come on, person of resolve. Come on, clap together if you're down to be what Paul said. you got to commit to growing. Here's the third thing they say. I love this. You're in love with God. Now he's going to talk about another subject, but really what he's saying is, you're not a this person, you're a God person. Let me show you the scripture that he uses here. This is what he says. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith. He's saying to Tim, Tim, we are not, we are not money people, we are God people. We are not, we do not worship money. We do not bow to money. We do not live for money. We live for God. We live for Jesus. We're in love with God. Come on, clap if you're down to say, I'm not in love with money. I'm in love with God. Now, this is so important. What Paul is identifying here, he's saying some have left the faith. They used to be in love with God, but they've left the faith to go serve money more than God. So, so money, God used to be their God, but now money is their God. This happens to so many of us. And watch what happens. Is one day you're pure, one day you're for God, one day God is first in your life, and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, I need to make more. I need to get more. I need to put my career in front of God. There is no season of your life that God has called you to be in front of God. That's why we say this all the time at Zoe. If God is first in your life, the rest of your life will fall into place. God always, the principle of first. God always comes first. When you and I get stooped into, this, into the deception that money is more important, watch what happens. This is Jesus in Mark 4. Watch what Jesus says here in Mark chapter 4. He says, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Translation, you used to love God. You used to put God first. God was all that matters. But now all of a sudden, the desire for other stuff and the deceitfulness of wealth and all these other things come in and choke and strangle the word of God. So now what's in front is wealth rather than Jesus. He's saying, Tim, we are not those people. We love God more than money. Is money bad? No, money is not bad. Money is only bad when you love money more than God. How do I know if I love money more than God? How do I know if I've given into this spirit? I know when I refuse to tithe. Because tithing is a lordship issue. Tithing is saying, God, you are God. Money is not my God. I do not live for money. Money does not control me. I will not sell my soul for money. I have sold my soul to Jesus. Come on, Zoe. Is there anybody here that's down to say God is God and money is not? Now, this is so important. And watch very carefully. Here's the problem with money. I want to show you another verse in Proverbs. Watch, now I'm just teaching you scripture today. Watch what it says here. For, for no sooner do you start counting your wealth. Then it sprouts with wings and flies away like an eagle in the sky. It is here today and it is gone tomorrow. Why do I not serve money? Because money didn't die for my soul. Why do I not serve money? Because money doesn't think about me. God thinks about me. Why do I not serve money? Because money does not care about me. God cares about me. 
So I'm going to give my heart and my life to God and not money. Money has wings like an eagle will fly away. Money is here today and gone tomorrow. Money is not my source. Money is not my provider. Money is not my identity. Money is not going to heal me. Money's not getting me into heaven. It is only Jesus. Come on, Zoe. God is saying something to us in year four. He is saying, you serve God. You're in love with God and not money. And when you live for God, I'm telling you, you just watch this in your life. God will actually add money to your life. Money's not a bad thing. God, God, the Bible, oh, I'll go verse by verse to convince you God wants you to have money. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, God gives you the power to get wealth. So wealth is not a problem. God says in Proverbs, the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. When your heart is right, God will give you money to steward because he knows you are blessed to be a blessing. But when you serve wealth, it's all about you. When you serve God, it's all about helping. Somebody clap today. God is speaking to Zoe Church. He's saying we are God people, not money people. I want money, anybody else. I want money so I can bless folks, so I can build a legacy for my children. Money's not bad. Money's only bad if it's my God, if it's my identity. God is my God. God is my source. Woo! You're like, uh, he's talking about money again. You know why we talk about money here? Because God talks about money throughout the Bible. Because he knows how easily it could be. It's like all of a sudden, how did I get over here? It's like I'm ruled by it. I'm controlled by it. It decides how. It, uh, listen, the reason why you ought to tithe is because it just releases that and just goes, you're my source. You're, you're, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Lord, you, you, you know all my needs and you'll bless me according to your riches and your glory. Amen. Write down the last one, number four. I love this. You're a fighter, and you're fighting the right fight. You are a fighter, and you are fighting the right fight. Now, Paul is actually going to say this in both 1 Timothy and he's going to say in 2 Timothy. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I just want to show you how passionate Paul is to young Tim about fighting the good fight. So let me show you two scriptures. One is in 1 Timothy and the other one is 2 Timothy. Watch what he says here. He says, but you, O man of God, or for the ladies in the house, female of God, for you, man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Watch what he says in 2 Timothy. This is 2 Timothy. He, this, he's ending his letters. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, Tim, we're all in a fight, but don't you get caught up in the wrong fight. I want you to fight the right fight. As he's ending his life, he's like, just a heads up, everybody, I have fought the good fight. I want to encourage you, we are not some Christianity around Zoe that's just like, everything's fine, everything's good, I just love Jesus. No, you are in a fight for your life. You're in a fight for your marriage. You're in a fight for your children. You're in a fight for this city. You're in a fight for your friends. You're in a fight for your community. You're in a fight for your church. Come on, anybody down to fight the right fight. And if you roll over and you just take the punches, you're going to get pummeled in life. But Paul's standing there and he's saying, I have fought the good fight. So he is differentiating between a good fight and a bad fight. What is a bad fight? A bad fight is a, save the drama for your mama. I'm not giving my virtue and my energy to gossip. 
I'm not giving my virtue and my energy to petty things. I'm not fighting the weird stuff. I'm not fighting the petty stuff. I'm going to fight for my friends that don't know Jesus. I'm going to fight for the addicts in our city. I'm going to fight for the widow in our city. I'm going to fight for the orphan in Los Angeles. I'm going to fight for the homeless in our community. I'm going to fight for the isolated in Los Angeles. Come on, somebody thank God right now. I'm going to fight the right fight. And so many of us, what happens is we get ourselves in trouble because we don't fight the right fight. What if you're being lured and tempted right now to fight something? You're spending all your virtue and all your energy on a fight that doesn't even matter. He's saying, Tim, we're not going to be those people. We've met them. They're called busybodies. Translation, they're busy and they just, they don't produce nothing. They look like they're active. They're not, there's no fruit from their life. We're going to fight the good fight. You know, it's worth to fight for our coworkers that don't know the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. It is a good thing to fight for people that feel isolated and feel rejected and feel disenfranchised. It is a good thing to fight for those that went to church, had a bad experience, and we're going to fight to bring them back into the fold, into the house of God. It is a good thing to fight for prodigals that walked away from God, that used to know Jesus, and we're going to fight for them in faith. Come on, clap together today, Zoe. God is saying something to us. He's, he's telling this guy, this is who we are. This is, you're the example, man. People are going to look at you and they go, I didn't know what Christianity looked like it, it was watching you change my life. The, the way that you, it wasn't who you were in church. It was, it was who you were away from church. You became an example to me. You, 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 you really showed me because in my life, I used to get up caught up in all this drama and the comments on social media and my text thread getting negative. And you know what, to be honest, I was fighting the wrong fight. But when I saw you fight for souls and fight for the kingdom of God and fight for the church of the living God, I'm telling you, you taught me what it meant to fight the right fight. You hear what God's saying to us? God's saying, Zoe, don't fall in love with money. Money is the root of all evil. It will mess you up. Money won't mess you up. The love of money will mess you up. He said, wash yourself from that. Keep God as God. Keep God as your supply of contentment and source of strength. Amen to that. I'm telling you, when we live that kind of life, when we walk in that kind of truth, what kind of growth are you going to experience? It just feels like this every time I come back home. You know, this last week, I took off on a red eye on Sunday night and went over to Malaysia and come back on Friday. And when I walk through the door, every time I come home, I look at my three boys and I look at them and I'm like, what in the world? I mean, it looks like they grew a foot of each. And I look at them like, oh my gosh. My one-year-old looks like he's three. My four-year-old looks six. My six-year-old looks eight. And I'm looking at them like the growth every time I come back to the house. It's insane. Zoe, I wonder if we're going to go backwards or go forwards. I wonder if we're going to grow like crazy. And people go, you're four years old? You look like a church that's 15. Your maturity, your sincerity, the growth that you've experienced, there's something about you. You're the example. Come on, clap today if you're down to grow like never before and give yourself heart and soul to the things of God. 